G'day, tea baggers. A uh, little quick uh, intro here uh, for my dear friend Shane Moss. Uh, you've got to listen to this episode. Shane's always one of my favourite guest Charlies that we have on the show. Really interesting dude. His new special's out all about uh, him breaking his foot, which you've heard him talk about on the podcast before. So please uh, make sure you check that out wherever you can find that as well. Uh, we recorded this episode uh, before I went to Melbourne for the festivals, but I'm just getting it up now, trying to get all the episodes that I have up my sleeve uh, out before the 200th. So I can put up the 200th and then we can do some fresh episodes in London. I'm actually off to London in about an hour and a half. So please come and see my show, uh, Free Will, at the Soho Theatre, or if you've got friends who are in London who you think you might might like that. Uh, the Saturday night show, Fofop, first live ever Fofop in the UK, is more than half sold out. If we sell the whole thing out uh, in time, maybe we will add the sa- second Saturday night as well. We, we do have the possibility of doing one the last Saturday night of the festival, but it will, um, of my run there, but it will uh, require us to sell out the first one. So uh, I'll let you know more about that as we get closer to it but uh, I don't want to talk too much uh, in this one you can also catch out uh, catch Free Will uh, July the 11th at the Nerd Melt Theatre you can catch it in Montreal for Just for Laughs I'm coming to Comedy on State in Maine and my Sydney and Perth show Sydney and Perth uh, the Enmore and the PCEC the Riverside uh, Theatre there in Perth Uh, those shows are now on sale with Justin Hamilton Uh, LA Podcast Festival Charlie and I will be doing the show there so please uh, buy some tickets to the LA Podcast Festival it's going to be huge this year but in the meantime just uh, you know enjoy the this episode with Shane. Say The following episode of Fofop is classified MA. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, a sex scene, time travel, terrible Batman impersonations, a Charlie Clausen pronounced Clausen shaped hole, and mild coarse language. Fofop advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15, and minors must be accompanied by an adult guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax, this is Tofa. <laughs> Ironically, I'm not relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> hello and welcome to Fofop. I'm Will Anderson and returning guest Charlie Coulson. Uh, Shane Moss, hello, welcome back. Hello, thanks uh, for you, having you, me. You, I think you're about the first ever guest uh, that has done homework. You listen back to previous episodes. I did. So you know what you've actually talked about, which is very against the spirit of this podcast. <laughs> if this podcast is about anything, it's mindlessly repeating the same facts and stories over and over again. <laughs> Often misremembering them the second time. Yeah, yeah. So people know how full of shit you are. I yeah, honestly, yeah. when Brian Williams, you know, like he's been taken down for telling that story where he thought he was like, I mean, he said he was, I don't know if you've seen, you know, the Brian Williams, the newsreader. Yeah, he, yeah. he said he was in a, Aircraft that got uh, shot down, but it was uh, really the, sh- the oh, aircraft yeah, yeah, in yeah. front of him. But he's been dining out telling this story, and it's gotten bigger and bigger, and now he's lost his job. Right. Man, if anyone went through this, like I could never do like jury duty or testify in a court. Yeah, I'm the most- oh, I guess I can't be a stand-up comedian anymore. Right. <laughs> I, I just... Uh- no, see, it was a joke, right. and I was like, I embellished a Sometimes little. Sometimes I make shit up. <laughs> yeah. My life is not hilarious all the time. I take things that are half hilarious, and then I add some mayonnaise, and then they become comedy bits. Well, I mean, despite all, uh, besides all that, we all make ourselves out to be a hero in our own minds. Uh, anyway, right. stories that we tell sometimes, you don't, you don't know that what the facts are after a while. You know, uh, I, I mean, uh, the, um, 
The, the, getting into evolutionary psychology quick on this one. <laughs> um, uh, uh, but but the, um, the evolution of self-deceit is, is a very uh, well-studied um, and fairly understood thing now where, where you can show someone a picture of themselves and they'll morph it um, to make you more and less better looking. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah which is just about symmetry. Uh-huh. It's not that hard to do. And and people <laughs> and, and it'd be like, which one is you? And people will be like, this one's me. And it's one that's that's about ten or, or ten to twenty percent better looking right. than they actually are. And uh, and with lying and everything else, they find that. Uh, 10 to 20 percent is that magic number where it's not so overboard right where it's like okay i'm clearly lying like on a myself. good day i can look like that <laughs> yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, like yeah. if i didn't have a meal the night before and i've woken up fresh and you know i've just got a haircut that I, you know i can improve 20 percent. right that's like it, me after a makeover yeah yeah that's it they actually they do um it reminds me of a uh, similar thing just like that, where they, they give tests out to people. They pay people based on how many uh, numbers they get right. And, and they, they basically um, give people an opportunity to cheat. So, so they, they give people this matrix with 10 different questions or whatever, and you have X amount of time. You know, most people can do four, right? And then afterwards, uh, they go, okay, now take that test. Put it in the shredder, come up, tell us what you got on the test. You, you know, afterwards they give you the answer, right. you correct your own, uh-huh. and then put it in. Yep. And, um, and, but the shredder is rigged so it doesn't actually shred their tests uh, so they can see. Uh-huh. And people reliably will, will just cheat a little bit. The, the idea being when we think of, of cheaters, we think there's like one bad guy doing all the cheating out there but really it's all of us just cheating just a just a little bit embellishing a little bit and um and and so uh, so so they're lying giving themselves one or one or two extra you know getting an extra dollar or two but what the what's very very interesting we've we've photoshopped ourselves (laughs) <laughs> we've we've essentially done the version of like photoshopping your Instagram photo to our to our lives. But the really interesting thing is people don't even consciously know they're doing it a lot of times. So how they'll test that is they'll give people then another set of tests. So people just corrected the, their their exam. Uh-huh. They know that they got four right, and and uh, out of ten. And then they give them another one. That's the exact same thing, just you know, slightly different math equation but they they know they're going to get four again they you know they, then they hand it in and they go okay we're going to grade the test you guess how many you think you got right and you get paid based on your accuracy okay yep sure and and people will guess that they got five or six <laughs> right they know they just got right. four right on the thing and the reason being is we think of it we go oh well i was gonna guess yeah. a but then I thought B, but I, I was cl- I meant to say that. So you justify why you're cheating. So right. in your mind, you aren't. You aren't lying. You aren't cheating. You know, it was close enough. It's amazing to me, and this is uh, this is actually something that comes up regularly on the podcast because it's just one of these things where you know sometimes you there's there's a like a glitch in the matrix, something that you identify as like emblematic of the breakdown of our society. Yeah. Right? For me, it's people who uh, go into intersections. 
like you know, like before the intersection is cleared, right? And then they get like because they want to get that little bit more of an advantage, right? <laughs> yeah, they're like, yeah. I can make it across this intersection, and yeah. then the lights change, and then they're stuck in the intersection, and now we're all fucked up yeah, because yeah. you thought you could cheat that little bit. And nobody who does that thinks they're a terrible person or would think they were. Oh, a yeah. But it's just our selfishness of going. Oh no, we can. We can make this. We can do this. It's one of the worst things ever. And and uh, and then uh, also sometimes in LA they have it's it's not an intersection. They'll just have that strip that says uh, you know do not whatever it says do not stop right. in this area. And so you don't know if someone just didn't see that part <laughs> or if they're an asshole. I always just assume that they're an asshole. I almost did it on the way over, and then I stopped myself. I started pulling, and I stopped. But the person next to me, because I started, the person next to me was like, "Well, fuck it, we're all going then." <laughs> and so, and so he went out into the middle of the intersection, and that's another big part of right. lying. We just assume that everyone else is, and and then it's like, "Well, if everyone else is, how am I going to get ahead in life if I don't as well?" And so that's, that's how another... we get bought into. But this is why we're all bought into this horrible system. Is the idea, and what has why it's so hard to step away from it? Like you know. And let's like, you know, talk about it in relation to, you know, our modern day society in the Western world. So like capitalism and the free market and the system that we're all hooked into. Yeah. Where it's clear, the evidence rises more and more every day that the inequality is built into the system that we've decided to use. That rich people are getting richer and poor people are getting poorer and the gap is getting bigger and bigger. And there's nothing in the system that will correct that if we don't correct that. And not only is that clear, but it's becoming very clear through a lot of neuroscience findings and everything else that that this income inequality is making people, is causing lots of problems in people's psychology. And, and, And the idea of, the idea of people would rather have the biggest trailer in the trailer court than the smallest mansion in, in the uh, gated community, you know? Um, but sorry. I oh, no, no, but uh, absolutely. And it's even become, this is how rich people are getting now, how much the income is splitting, that even between the 1%, the disparity between the top end of the 1%, like there's a 1% of yeah, the yeah, 1%. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of the people who are in the one percent, there's still like the, there's people who are like the ni- the ninety nine percent. There's the Occupy Wall Street of the one percent that are still disproportionately represented by the people who are at the one percent of that one percent. Right, it's right. It's so fucked up. Uh, you know, Steve Jobs is just like that. Bill Gates is a fucking asshole, right. <laughs> <laughs> even though he is one of the more charitable of the top point oh oh one percent. Well, yeah, I mean, it's an insane uh, idea and an insane system and we've kind of all bought into it and now it's hard to... I mean, you look at uh, modern politics and how much business and finance has like corrupted mm. those systems. Like you look at it in America, I was just reading about the money that's already been raised for the next presidential campaign in America and there's, it's going to be billions of dollars by the time you elect a... Like, and so all this money comes from people and people don't just give money to things just because they have spare money lying around like that's i think that's one of the most irritating i will vote for anyone that says uh no more campaign finance uh or 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 you get like 10 million dollars you have a cap or something like that because uh, the the real problem with it isn't so much for me about corruption although that's fucking awful but the real problem is that now these people by necessity can't do anything else 
but go around the country Fundraise. cheerleading. Right. They're, they're going, I love America the most, and this other person doesn't like America as much as I like America, and isn't freedom wonderful? And they're not actually doing anything but giving a silly motivational speech, and they absolutely have to do that, or they cannot get the job. E- even if, say, whatever politician is like, I'm in this because I want to make a difference and I don't care. But, and they genuinely mean that. The system, the way the system is set up is th- there's just no way that they can make that happen without going around and doing all of the bullshit that is 99% of the job. It's like, why is this person giving a pep talk? Right. We got shit going on. Wait, shouldn't he not be running the free world? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, why is he doing a public, sp- like he's doing gigs. Like, I would, you know what? As a stand-up comedian, if I was president of the United States of America, I would stop going on the road. Like, if, <laughs> you know, if Acme in Minneapolis gave me a call, I'd be like, you know what? Unfortunately, there's some, you know what? When we've sorted out the problems of the world, when we've stopped locking people up, you know, in Guantanamo Bay and, you know, killing people with drones, I'll, you know what? I'll come and do a Wednesday night in it'd, Minneapolis. It'd be so much better if you, if it was, if you did the other way, though. Like, it, like you really, you show a lot of dedication and you, you really get out there and you solve homelessness. You just solved homelessness for the country, the world, and, and through whatever, uh, you know, uh, you figured out. You solved homelessness. Right. Okay, everyone elects you as president, and then you're just like, "All right, now I'm gonna go and do my skits." I really <laughs> only did I'm this. President. I really only did this to get some YouTube followers. <laughs> <laughs> now that there's million, because I mean, who has like Obama has a lot of social media presidents, right? Yeah, yeah. So if I became president and I had all that shit locked in, suddenly I start posting a few stand-up bits. Like yeah, yeah. a lot of eyes are seeing that. Yeah, you know, yeah. I've got a captive audience for my web series. It, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's almost like uh, I, I don't know. I'm drawing a comparison with like Steve Martin and the ukulele. Right. <laughs> like, like, okay, you became king of comedy. And that is just like, well, okay, now I'm going to do this uh, right. little thing. But imagine that his wa- wearing a wacky hat or whatever was the most important thing <laughs> in the entire world. That's why this uh, week when people, it's one of those weeks where people have been accusing Obama of hating America. Like, you know, that's one of the, right. Uh, I, should, I should let you know that I obsessively watched the news for many years and it just wound me up and I was trying to do stuff with it and it just wasn't panning out for me. I just, it was like, well, this trying to become a political comedian isn't working out for me. And I just turned off the news and then my life became a lot better. So I actually don't really keep up. So you'll have to uh, That's all right. inform I, me with I what's like going on. I like to always assume that there will be somebody listening, even if it's yeah, not yeah. you, who doesn't know what I'm talking yeah, about. And all the important information you need is that <laughs> uh, a lot of people have been saying that Obama doesn't love America. Now, the reason that they've been saying that is he made his Because he's a Muslim? Yeah, because he's a Muslim. <laughs> right. He wasn't born in America. <laughs> right, it's right, America. Right. Makes sense. <laughs> Basically, to me. that is that you pretty much summed it up. <laughs> right, right. He, he made a speech about um, Islamic extremism, and he, oh, I was right there, right. <laughs> <laughs> not knowing the news, just guessing based on information from eight years ago. Right. Last time I checked in, yeah. 
that, that's what I realized with all this stuff. Someone will tell me a news story, and I'll right. be like, oh, oh, I had, oh, the same thing that was going yeah, on. Yeah, the same thing before. that's been happening okay. forever. Kept <laughs> yeah, happening. Yeah. <laughs> like we're locked in some endless cycle where only the names change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what happened. So <laughs> never making any real progress, just that, that fighting is, the same fights over and over again in different forms. That is a this is the beautiful news. statement. I, I would write down... And the cycle where only the names change. I, maybe someone else has said that before, but that is very telling of, of a lot of life. But so, so much of that news cycle, I think particularly now that we have the, you know, the 24-hour news cycle, like you know, what they call journalism, you know, the idea that they just take a story and they exploit it and it follows the same patterns and memes and then the next day they find another thing. It's like the, the comedian says something outrageous cycle. Yeah, like yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Like they look for someone, they wait until Daniel Tosh or someone else makes some sort of joke, and then there's a cycle of blogs and newspaper articles and debates and a little industry of like clickbait online that feeds around that. And then so then they're on the lookout. What did Russell Brand say? We'll put that because plenty of people will click through and look at that one. Or you know. Yeah, and and what I was when I stopped watching the news, I had an idea that maybe this is going on. You know, I kind of had an understanding, but. Now that I've, you know, since and we've talked about uh, me getting into um, psychology and that sort of stuff, uh, what, what I've since come to very well understand is that the news isn't a thing that's like getting this objective, important information that you need to know and will help everybody and then giving that to you. The news is instead figuring out what people are kind of into, what people will attach to, and then giving you just whatever you want to hear. And especially the way that, um, the, the way that, you know, Google and the internet works now where they're, they're actually tracking like what you're clicking on and everything else. And then providing you with, Oh, you like this here, buy this thing to sell ads. But now they're doing that with the news. So now I still, uh, this is maybe the most embarrassing thing I'll reveal about myself. I have a Yahoo uh, account still, Yahoo email <laughs> account, and I. Uh, but I'll Yahoo News is one of the most ridiculous things. I remember when um, when Bin Laden was captured. Uh, I looked at what was trending on Yahoo News, and it was like Miley Cyrus and like four other Miley Cyrus things and then because right. there's Osama only four people Laden. there's only four people left on Yahoo <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it's me and you and five teenage girls so that's why most of <laughs> but, like I, I'm still on Yahoo as well oh, like, when you? you said that I don't like to think that that means that we're Luddites I like to think that means we were early adopters <laughs> yeah, we yeah, got yeah. on board yeah, when yeah. Yahoo was a thing <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean yeah, yeah. it doesn't mean we're I did, terrible old people right 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 like you know and I was just like well it's hard to change it but it's named after my first pun show my Yahoo I, and I've given it out before I don't care if they want to email me there they can email me there it's just an email account it's thewilrus at yahoo.com because my first show was called I am the Wilrus, right? Uh, okay. And so I named it after the first yeah, show. Yeah, of course, yeah. I've done 20 fucking shows since then. Right. And I've still got this like, you know, goofy, like, you know, everyone now just has their name and stuff in their email, but I've still got the old, when you c- came up with a funny name for your email, email. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> now, you know. The, but the news, you, you um, uh, my old, old one was mnfnshane at yahoo.com. And that was because in high school, I didn't have uh, email. And someone was like, I'll email you. And then I was like, what, well, 
okay, I'll just make up an email name that hasn't been taken. And there was this running joke. A friend of mine um, wouldn't, he would, he would curse in every other way, except he wouldn't say motherfucking, but he always wanted to. Right. And he'd get all worked up. And go, ah! He'd get all angry about something. He'd go, MNF! And it was like the funniest thing to us. Well, skip forward 15 years later, and now I'm like contacting the president of Comedy <laughs> Central. Uh, okay. Uh, so my email is MNF. No, it's... Mary Nancy Frank Nancy and I have to because I don't want to say it's like a motherfucker it's so embarrassing uh, do you get sucked into the Yahoo News is what I'm wondering no because I just made I, I do I, uh, because I, I'll just go to click on my ma- mail and then I see something and I realize the news is now just clickbait right. is all it is it's like run the same way as porn right where it's like oh we know you're into this we'll often give you more of this porn. so you'll keep it like often, on, big, on big news sites now often it is like something that's a easy. celebrity's nipple popped yeah. out and now I it's upskirting photos news websites have upskirting photos it's uh, like look we've got some new upskirting photos for you to look at oh, by the way we're a major news organizer but here's some upskirting photos. And this is exactly where I was going with all of it because that clickbait, then uh, I have moments of weakness, Will. I'm not, I'm not as strong as I let on. Right. All, all, <laughs> all the time. And, um, and, and so sometimes I'm like, I do kind of want to, I want to see that right. upskirt photo. And so I click on it. But now because of that, now Yahoo knows right. what I'll click on. So now I, anytime I see Yahoo News now, I realize just aspects about myself. Oh yeah. It's like a mirror. <laughs> it it's is like a, a mirror. mirror. It's a mirror that only reflects the true version of you. It it's is. like the opposite of that experiment. It shows you your real self it and you really get to see is. what you really look like, and which is a horrible mess of upskirting photos. And Shane just photos. likes titty news. <laughs> That's it. That's what's really important to me. <laughs> Look, I haven't watched the actual news for years, but yeah, I'm yeah. completely up to date. I, I know skirting. what all the titties are doing. <laughs> I know who's got uh, hair on their. I know who's got a bush. <laughs> what, I don't know anything about celebrity hasn't about... trimmed their bikini line. Got no idea about Jeb Bush's run for the White House, <laughs> but I've got a decided lot. Decided of... that wasn't important. <laughs> Decided absolutely, I'm not falling for that shit anymore. Now, nothing but whose nipples show it through is what I'm uh, learning. <laughs> there is something about that. Um, I, I have a theory for an internet movement. I've not spoken about it before, but it's in, been in my head for a while. Because I was like talking about our social responsibility. I think that there is a responsibility from the news organizations to provide us with decent news. But there is also a responsibility for us, the consumers. If we click on those stories all the time, then like you said, that's what we're going to get, right? Yeah, yeah. So here's what I think people should start doing so that we still have great news and they still give money to news journalism because the more that it's just lists of things, the less money is going to be to expose genuine corruption and shed a light on the bad things that are happening. And then once you can't do that, people get away with things all the fucking time. I'm so all ears. here's what you should do. Because at the moment, they don't actually, they don't have any capacity. They don't have the technology. They only can see if you click on that article. Mm. They don't really, they're starting to develop some things where they'll monitor time spent there and stuff like that. But at the moment, it's pretty simple algorithm. 
of them. You click on this thing and that registers as a click. That's how they sell their advertising and whatever. So the more that you click on the Britney Spears upskirt, the more advertising goes to the Britney Spears upskirt and the more stories like that they do yeah. basically, right? So if you want to look at the Britney Spears upskirt, first take two – like just you don't have to read the articles, ah. but just click on – Two other important stories on that webpage. Just find two things that you think they still should be investigating. Maybe there's a, an asylum seeker, you know, policy mm. thing there, or maybe there's something about, you know, uh, like an investigation yeah, into the CIA. Yeah, yeah. Seeker. Just don't, you don't have to read them. If you don't want to read them, don't read them. Right. Click on them, click on them, and then go and look at your upskirting photo. But you've at least guaranteed a little bit that news will continue for a little That's while. That's a very good idea. It's your eat your veggies before you can have your dessert approach to. There is still a problem that isn't. I being mean, it'd be better if you read the articles, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but I'm looking for a realistic thing that people can do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it has to start with a small little. That's not small. Yeah. Um, I I mean, the other issue of it is, and we've talked about the negativity bias before. The idea of uh, our our brains being wired to be more vigilant for those negative things because it, it, we evolved in a world where those negative things paid a higher cost than the rewards of the good things right. and so and so we um are are drawn to be overly cautious and um and that's also what the news is playing a lot into uh yeah you, you know you watch the news and and it's like uh today there was Two murders, right? And then someone won the lottery. It's like the two most extreme things, and that's not what our what was your day, right? You know, our life is like I sat around, I clicked around, but they're not going to show me just like sitting on my computer clicking around, and that's the news. That's what actually happened today. Yeah, most most people went to work and masturbated. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) you drove to work, didn't get in an accident. Today, <laughs> breaking news: Yet another person makes it to work without dying. Maybe they should start every news story with the positive news first before they go to it. Like, so they could do that sort of thing of going. Well, look, the good news is today that <laughs> thirty-nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine planes took off and landed. Now to some. Ter- <laughs> But on, it, but on every news story, at least put it in context. Right. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. Like, the good news is that there are 9 billion people alive on the planet today, uh, oh. you know, who managed to drive to work. The bad news is, you know, now there's this car accident story. So you get, look, just in every story, yeah, you get a yeah, perspective yeah, yeah. of, like, you know... Ah, uh, you want the bad news with that and, and, and just the hopelessness of, of, of life. That is a genius idea and that's what I want. Um, and, but there is also some kind of counterintuitive evidence um, regarding the psychology of disclaimers, which is that when someone gives a disclaimer, like, um, hey, uh, you know, I'm a comedian, I'm not a scientist. So when I sit here telling you about these scientists, facts just bear that in mind i'm not a scientist i don't totally know what i'm talking about i saw a few ted talks and uh, you know blah 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 okay i gave that disclaimer that then psychologically makes you trust what's coming out of my mouth more even though i just told you don't trust me (laughs) don't trust what i'm saying that makes you trust me more and because i gave that disclaimer now 
I will go and well, okay, I told them right. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. So now I can really go off the yeah. deep end because I gave that disclaimer. Right. You'll extrapolate a little. So there's this yeah. just hopeless <laughs> situation. It's, oh, oh, let's just rip our hair off. It, it's uh, that's I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what the solution is. Well, I, I like the idea of my contextual news service. I'm going to pitch that. I very much do. And I also like it for good news stories. I mean, I think that we should also show that, like, you know, you know, and vice not versa. Just, <laughs> not just, listen, I love the water skiing squirrel. Love, love, right. love the water skiing squirrel. But maybe that doesn't need to be the only good score. Or uh, how about indifferent stories is what I'd really like to see. Oh, yeah. Uh, just here, here's, a, here's a bunch of people at work just grinding it out. Just grinding out their eight-hour shift. Right. Just like you did today. See? Everyone did this shit. That's what happened, and now we're sitting around watching news about it. And that's what, but our our brains just aren't wired to uh, do that because it's uh, uh, like like think about when you were um, a baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, you come out, l- look at a baby all bright eyed, comes out, and it's like, I I wish we could remember what being born was like yes. because what a head fuck, right? To go from that to this is like, why? like no wonder they're crying, you know. Uh, but you're taking in so much and everything is interesting. And then as you're learning things through the nature of, of how your brain works and, and neuroscience, things become habits and the brain no longer to conserve energy, to conserve the amount of glucose that it's using, it wires itself to kind of put you um, in wire these autonomic processes so that it doesn't have to use a bunch of energy every time you're brushing your teeth or doing the same dumb thing that you've done um, over and over again. So now seeing a news story about what is the core of life, which is to us really quite boring because we don't take the time to appreciate uh, you know, what we have uh, it's, it's just not going to take off. Uh, You know, that's, indifferent news is people aren't going to get excited about indifference that's (laughs) it's the word indifferent right Um, Uh, yeah i mean and i guess that's absolutely right but i i i like the i mean i do think sometimes that particularly okay here's here's something that i would like people to 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 do i think that if we i'm not trying to poo-poo your ideas i love all of them i'm just trying to figure out how to make them work this is an ideas factory yeah yeah shane there's no there's no such thing as bad feedback. We've got to pick these things apart. They, don't, yeah, yeah. they won't necessarily... If, if I had all the solutions to the life and they just came out fully formed, then I probably wouldn't be doing a free podcast. Yeah, yeah. I would have found a, a way to monetize this shit. I don't know if sometimes, because like I, I, I think those are great ideas and I have lots of respect for um, your intelligence and your thinking. And I'm sometimes, sometimes I get myself... I'm thinking like... God, do comedians just have it all fucking figured out just because we have so much free time to think about this and everything else? But then I'm like, no. You look around and everyone thinks they just have it fucking figured out all of the time. Right. right? Well, firstly, I think, well, I think everybody's made, well, everyone, whether they know it or not, um, has made some sort of, like, you know, they have some sort of idea of, like, what their world is and where their world... Even if they've made a choice to go, well, this is just my world and these are my beliefs or I've signed up to this, you know, this church or this, uh, you know, whatever, this structure that I have gone, well, this is what I believe, this is what I've sorted out, this is what life is. I do think that comedians have the luxury of thinking 
I mean, really, the job is just thinking all the yeah. time. Like, I just get up and I read things and I think and I try to think of ideas and I try to think of what I think about the world. And I do think... You don't have to go to the factory, do the, uh, this I think the it's a great luxury stuff to and have then a job. take care of right. all your kids. Or uh, I mean, depending on the comedian, but... Right. Know. Yeah, not me. But yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I do sometimes think, like, I've... Someone was asking me the other day because I've been writing for the last month, getting this new show together, and they said, "What does that actually mean? Do you actually write jokes?" And I say, "No, I really just read things and make some notes, and mostly just yeah. think. Like it's just yeah, me yeah. trying to think about what it is that I want to say, and then I revisit those notes, <laughs> and then I sharpen them a little bit. Right. Yeah, and that, then I try to think a bit more closely about it and try to form like an idea or a concept or whatever. Hmm. So I, you, I mean, yes, like I mean, you get paid to think." Now, does that mean I, – I, I, will, I will now extrapolate a little bit further, which is that in modern-day society, not everyone does get paid to think. Sometimes you get paid to switch your brain off or think you know, in, in only one sort of way. But there are various industries that all have their own people who are, whose right. job it is to think and develop and innovate and whatever. Ours is just one particular – you know, focus and, and direction. It can be about anything it wants. And we don't have the boundaries. We don't have the rules. Right. We, we have so much freedom. It's like, oh, that guy's so interesting. Or, uh, in, um, you know, or, or better, I, better example. What a wild drinking story. This guy's crazy. Is he? Or is it just that you don't get to tell your drinking story at right. work? You and it, or and if you or if you told it a hundred times, it, that it wouldn't be a fucking great drinking story. You know what I mean? If you took that drinking story on the road, yeah, yeah, yeah. and like really worked it out on a, you know some right, late second right, right. Saturday night second shows in front of a hostile crowd, by the end of the year, that'd be a fucking solid drinking story. <laughs> right, you know, that's right, all I'm right. saying. Any yeah. story you have, like yeah, yeah. I honestly believe that anyone could tell me their best drinking story. And if I took it on the road with me for a hundred shows, it would be a great drinking story. Everyone has at least one story that you could turn into a great story on stage, I think. I mean, that's, uh, that's kind of what I'm saying. I, I don't, um, uh, that's what I'm struggling with. Sometimes I'm like, I think that we are kind of just given this opportunity to do something special and say interesting things. And, but the, then the moment that comes out of myself, I'm like, fucking humble yourself, dude. That's, I, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, like, probably the, the term say interesting things is like where, you get, where it gets tricky. To, uh, I like to think more like explore interesting ideas or oh, yeah. ask interesting questions oh, right, about, right, right. like rather yeah, than, better. do you know, because that's the perspective I have towards a comedy and B towards say this podcast, for example, which is, you know, fuck, we have a joke about this, about TOEFOP facts, which are just things that I say that I think sound true, that, you know, <laughs> like, that most of the time aren't fucking true, yeah, that yeah. I say with certainty. How old are you? Uh, 41 years old. Okay. Yeah, 41. Yeah. Right. Why do you I'm ask? I'm 34. Yeah. I just want, it, you're bright guy just wondering how far ahead of me you are in experience uh, how and how long have you been doing stand-up uh this is my 20th year oh, september nice. 10 uh 2015 will be uh the, my, the 20th anniversary i mean the terrorists did really ruin my celebrations with what they did on september 11 <laughs> it's not a not a time i can really celebrate now but it's, right, it's right. made it very easy to remember <laughs> <laughs> I have been at it for 11 years, and uh, I didn't mean to cut off that conversation, right. which is also interesting, but along, along these very same lines, um, do you feel like things are 
clicking more and smoother for you because of the experience? Or do you, I sometimes find myself like as I'm learning more thing. I mean, it's kind of an old adage, but the more I'm, especially with now my explorations into science and everything, I'm like, I don't know if I'm any less confused than I was. I, I might know more like on paper or, or be able to tell you a few more fun facts, but I don't think that I'm any more sure of myself and how much I know. There are you know two things. Saying? I know exactly what you're saying. There are two things that, are, uh, that run parallel um, or that are at least are complementary in this analogy, which is firstly um, th the fact that the more you know about the universe the more you, you become unsure of things. It is one of those areas where literally the more you know, the more questions you will have because yeah. we're trying to understand something that no one understands yet. Like yeah. people have theories about various parts of it, but the greater meaning of our life and also just the technical scientific like exploration and understanding of the vast universe in which we operate is yeah. at a very... like minor minor level of understanding you know even at the level we're at our capacity to understand those things will not it, it's not a thing you know anyone who thinks and at some stage will find out what this is all about yeah, yeah. You, then you're kidding yourself if you think that at some stage you're going to work out you've got to resign yourself to the fact that we are going to live in an age and a life where you will probably never tr there, there's never going to be a moment where someone like explains to you okay you, you know you got through the game this is what it was all about this is what you were doing it we're just, you know we're going to live we're going to die and it's going to be unexplainable and uncomprehendable yeah on yeah so many different levels oh right? and that's why i'm saying screw the universe inside our own minds even these right. are the things that we're most intimately involved with and are using every day to understand itself and it's uh, there i think the fun fact is something around i'm ballparking this figure but there's something around 10 billion neurons each one of them has um uh, uh between a thousand and and ten thousand possible connections so the amount of possible connections in the brain is more than the number of atoms in the universe or right. something like that trying to wrap your head around that is fucking incredible and uh, and then we have to go and, and try to understand another person yeah that and all we have like to understand the other people that we operate on this planet with who are all look like us but have completely different motivations and you know inputs and life experience and all those sort of things you know we're, we're trying to operate in a society where we're all similar enough that we think we're the same but different enough that if you try to think that somebody else will think or operate or respond in the way that you respond then you're on a fool's errand because that's not how life works like right right you know? and so it's i mean so there's that comedy is also a thing mm -hmm. that has that exact same thing in that the more you know about comedy it's something that you can never get right it's not comedy is not a job that you can complete you know, I imagine there are some things you can train to the point where you're an expert, where you can't really learn anything else. You are at the top of the profession and you've learned how to do the thing it is that you do. And that is kind of the end point. You're an expert and you get to that point of expertise. Whereas comedy, the more you know about it, the more you understand that it's it's such an infinite universe. Right, we've right. We've explored such a tiny corner That's of it. exactly what I'm asking you. Is if it, because obviously I, I imagine if I ask you, are you a better comedian now than you were 10 years ago? 
probably you would say, yes, you are, right? Well, I would like to think that I am, yeah. And certainly, am I, do I think, like, uh, here's how I answer it. People can make up their own minds about that. But do I think I'm a better comedian if I'm being, like, completely honest 100% with you? I'm embarrassed by the comedian I was five years ago. I know. That's how much better a comedian I think yeah, I am yeah. than I was then. Yeah. Like embarrassed. Yeah, yeah. Like part of the reason I wanted to do my special this year, part of the reason was I wanted to film a new one because the last one I did was 2009. Yeah. And I can't watch it. Yeah. Because it doesn't even look like me and I don't, I don't feel like the jokes are me and I don't feel like the performance is me. And that was me at a level where I was quite established and quite successful, you know, and that's, and I find it, and I, I imagine hopefully in five years I might look back at this one and yeah, think exactly yeah. the same thing. I mean, that's one of my biggest inspirations uh, is just thinking about, it, especially when it comes to um, reading, which is something for me that's like I have to like be like, okay, Shane, you're going to sit down and you're going to read for an hour. And while I'm doing it, I'm enjoying it. But to actually get started, same with kind of the writing process uh-huh. as well. Um, and, and that's one of the inspirations for me is just thinking like, imagine how much more I'm going to know five years from now, because right. the day to day you're never going to see. And, and uh, I also think that then what you've got to do to stop that paralyzing you. And that's obviously a thought I've got a lot at the moment because I want to do something better than last year's show. So yeah. all you're doing at this point is like trying to work out what that might be or what your ambition would be. But then you've got to not let that paralyze you, not let perfect be the enemy of good. You know, when I get to Adelaide, I know that those first four or five nights are going to be completely different every night and they'll be loose and I'll probably do some crowd work and, you know, I'll be working out ideas. But that's my process. Like, that's what I want to do to get to where I'm going to go and to get to this more interesting place. You've got to then go, okay, well, you know what? And this is how I reconcile it is I've done this, that process every year. Right. I am definitely a better comedian now than even 12 months ago when I went to Adelaide and did that. And it went well then. Right, right, right. And you're at a similar stage like in the evolution of the show then. And you're better now. Right. So even though you're trying to maybe do something newer and work with more complex ideas, trust that when you get out there on stage... You're the best you've ever been. You know more than you've ever known. You've done more gigs than you've ever done. And you've got more ideas in your head than you've ever had. And your capacity to process them should be at the best that's ever been. Even though you're not where you want to be going with that show and with that work, don't let what's going to happen in the future with it get in the way of where you are right now. That's That's very reassuring to hear because I feel like that's everything that I've been going through over the last, you know, few years or so of of growing as a person and as a comedian and everything else. And so it's good to hear that one, someone else has to go through the struggle and to see someone doing it successfully. The other thing that comforts me and is, and it was kind of just something that I, because I think like often you can get. Um, bogged down by that idea of going, I'm going to write the greatest show that anyone's ever seen or I'm going to come up with the best thing that I've ever done and every routine is going to be better than every routine I've ever done. And then I kind of realized that it's nice. I want to do this forever. Right. And I like getting better every year. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with working on something and like, so trying to get 5% better or 10% better every year and then going, and you know that other thing that I want to get to? 
We'll get to that next year, but I think this year is about working on this aspect of my performance, you know, mm. and bringing this into what I'm doing because that'll help. And then once I've got that layered in, I'll go to that other thing that I already know is what I'll be working towards. But I'm going to get there. I'm not going to – I don't have to rush to get there. I can, you know, mm. move towards it as a body of work and, like, it being reflective of my journey. So I'm a bit more okay with that now as well. That's interesting because my main thing lately, like my hang up um, has been because I'm so excited and I feel like I'm getting better and I see where I'm going and I'm excited about all of that. And I feel like I haven't gotten the validation yet of of like, hey, you know, this big chance you've taken from being like uh, a guy that can do these quick weird jokes and get on late night to doing something more meaningful that you actually care about that that's kind of lost you some club work and yeah. everything else because all of a sudden people are like oh what's this we just want to hear you know those one-liners uh you know and, and so so sometimes that's a little discouraging so yeah, i don't know it's just very helpful to no 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 but i it. i mean i can see that as well like i mean i i think that's a really interesting conundrum because you do want to do the work that you want to do yeah but sometimes that does mean that there's going to be some people who are like well that's not right that's not what i want yeah and then yeah. you're like oh yeah right what the <laughs> yeah fuck i just thought i could do like change i thought i could change and do something completely different yet all these people who like this thing it'd be like you know you like peanut butter and they suddenly just it says peanut butter on the jar but it's like vegemite yeah, and you're like, well, yeah. but it says peanut butter. Like, well, we, you know what? It's well, it's still a breakfast spread. Yeah, and it still looks the same. But you're like, well, it's not what I wanted. I uh, mean, a lot of people can come with you. I think I don't actually think from watching your stuff that it's because you were always toying with interesting ideas. Even if you talk about silly little jokes, they right. weren't. You never were like a. I think your audience were people who, you know, they liked, you know, using well, I their about brain. time travel or right. like whatever thing. <clears throat> Yeah. Um, let uh, me ask you this question. Uh, and actually, let, let's have a little break and then we'll, uh, we'll cause I like to have a break cause I'll tell you. And that's then, good because I, yeah. I want to ask you a time travel question. Yeah. It's uh, been a long time since I've been, uh, into physics. So it's okay. I'm not going to ask you a, um, uh, something that you need to know about physics. This is more an ethical question around the comical movie time travel genre. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, Groundhog Day is my favorite movie of all time. Like my favorite comedy movie of all time. I think it's a perfect comedy movie and I like the themes that are underneath it and I like the idea of like the, that Buddhist idea of living the same day over and over and like, you know, there's a lot of kind of themes of being in the moment. But I also think it's a very funny film. Yeah. But there's only one ethical issue I have with it and I have with a lot of time travel movies that involve the concept of a guy being able to woo a woman through the power of time travel. You know, like... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because isn't that kind of like really subtle grooming? Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like if you are t- traveling back in so. time to like, yeah, aren't you yeah. really kind of tricking yeah, somebody yeah. into sleeping with you? Isn't yeah, there yeah. some sort of weird <laughs> ethical? But, yeah, I would. I I can't put my finger on right. what exactly it is, but there's definitely something, something that makes odd. you feel a bit because it's always passed off as being very romantic. Yeah, yeah. Like I saw some Richard Curtis like time travel film, romantic film recently. It was the same thing. Like the guy would keep coming back to that time to get better at sex with this girl. But yeah. I was like, 
That's just weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, because you've kind of tricked her into bed this time because uh, you know how to get her into bed now. And now you're coming back, like... Yeah, that was a big part of um, my problem when I started, you know, I quit smoking cigarettes and I quit drinking and I started taking care of myself and then I was developing my act and I was reading and everything else. And, and then after a period of time, I struggled with this real ethical issue of just like, Shane, are you just becoming too irresistible? <laughs> 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 this isn't even fair. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite things about Groundhog Day is that, the, and we've talked about this all the t- time on this podcast, and, and, and there's even internet. It's been a while since I've seen it. I've seen it a few times, but it's been there's, years. there's theories about how long he was there, how long he was like reliving that one day, and that's when I think it gets really interesting. And it's got to be at least thousands of years that he lived that one day over and over again, because when you go through the chronology of what happens in the movie and the skills he develops, and the fact that every day he, like, even just to learn the piano, that yeah, well, ten thousand like, hours. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> like of every single thing and the fact that he has to repeat those things and do them every day and deal with the boredom and the monotony of like dealing with those same things and perfecting those same things and like it's a long time yeah yeah now i'm like oh, like then how, how is, you... is that why my ex was so good in bed but also <laughs> I, would, I, I also would like to see how i like how the next like groundhog day two which is just their relationship falling apart because he's a madman who's been living in this prison inside his own mind for 10,000 years, you know, and now he's back in reality and having yeah. to just like resume Fumble a normal relationship. things and, 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 uh, and have to endure the social costs of, of screwing up once in a while right. and, and knowing you're never going to get that moment back. Right. After having tasted it. Forever, like being able to perfect everything and yeah, now you yeah. just got to go back to living your life. <laughs> You can't tell me that wouldn't destroy the relationship. That would very much. Uh, that, well, that would destroy a person, I think. Right. Ah, uh, well, I'm gonna cancel my groundhog plans. <laughs> um. Uh, so, what else has been going on with you? How's your health? Well, Give us a health update since, since last I time. was here last time. Uh, for the listeners, back in May, I broke both of my feet in a hiking accident. Um, one of uh, both my heels in particular, <coughs> one of them uh, was not a big deal. It was just a little chip that healed within uh, two, two or three months. It was totally fine. And the other one um, fractured a bunch and needed uh, what turned out to be quite a major surgery. I didn't realize that it was. But when you're dealing with feet, um, it can be uh, very difficult. And, um, and they put some hardware in there, kind of screwed the bones back into place where they wanted them to go back together. And, and things were moving along. The bones grew back together exactly where they should have, which they were worried about. Okay. Um, because it was complicated surgery. And I really did a number on myself. And so that was good news. Uh, the problem was there was this hole in my foot because of where they, how they put the stitches. There's like this 90-degree angle. Uh, the corner ripped open because my foot was um, exploding and just full of uh, blood and fluids and everything else. Um, and so I had this hole, which they were debating whether to skin graft or to let it heal naturally. They decided to let it heal naturally. Uh-huh. And so I, um, for many months after that i had what i thought was a big foothole um i thought i didn't realize what a big foothole actually looked like right um and 
I think last October, I got an infection. They put me on oral antibiotics for this infection. And then just before, um, in December, I started um, getting, uh, feeling a bit feverish sometimes okay. at night. And I told the doctor, and he was like, oops, <laughs> you probably have a bone infection. And um, Yeah, oops, that's what you want to hear from your doctor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is this a medical opinion? Yeah. I, I need to get a second opinion. Another guy comes in, oops, okay, yeah, no, it's definitely an oops. The, uh, We've got the guy, double oops. Third guy's like, no, it's not an oops, it's a whoopsie daisy. <laughs> Then they have a heated debate <laughs> yeah, over whether it's an oops or a whoopsie daisy, because like your insurance covers an oops, but it doesn't cover a whoopsie uh, daisy. That is exactly <laughs> what the insurance is like in the U.S. I'm coming to find out. So, um, so what happened was, so this is just before Christmas. And he was like, I was in Wisconsin at the time, mm -hmm. and I'd been getting my post-op care in Wisconsin, which is out of my insurance network, which is in California. And so I was paying out of pocket for the post-op stuff because it was just checkups, not that big a deal, it wasn't worth like flying back for and everything else. Well, so then that happened. So then doctor's like, well, you better find your way back to LA and because you're going to need a surgery. There might be complications. This could get really expensive if you have a bone infection, which I think you do. He's like, you know, you should get there. So I'm like, is it an emergency? If it's an emergency, we can just do it right now and insurance covers it. And he wouldn't call it an emergency, right. which is crazy to me because a bone infection is like, I could have lost right. my foot and everything yeah. else. What does it have to be to be an emergency? Yeah. That because seems people like can go emergency. into the emergency room with right. like a cold if they want to, you know, so, so, and that'll be covered. Yeah. Sure. Um, is this, so are you sure this is not better than me having to go across a border to get human after travel? By the way, that's also a stupid system where yeah. you can, that, I mean, let's not even get started on that. But And not only that, but I, as I was trying to explain to them, I was like, you know, if I lose my foot right now, that's on you guys for the rest of my life. You're picking up the tab right. for that. So what's, you know, I would uh, consider do that a little emergency. math here. Right. And, and I think it's in your interest. Well, they, they wouldn't. Um, and, and so I had to get my way back to California. I talked to the doctor about it. I wish I would have just left that day. The doctor's like, you know, get there in like a month or so. And um, I wish I had gone that day. Turned out it was not a good idea to wait a month. Right. Well, uh, but I had But he couldn't tell you to go that day because then it would have been an emergency. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> exactly. It's so crazy. So I, so I had work. I talked to him about it. Uh, I was like, well, here's a good time in my schedule to clear three week, weeks off. You know, it gives people time. This work wasn't paying that much and blah, blah, blah. You know, I took three months off of work for the summer. So I'm not, I'm not a rich person. I'm not a person right. that can just go three months. Without well, I mean, but when you're a freelancer, which is what, you know, most standups are, it's yeah. what I am at the moment. Like the last couple of years, I've been a freelancer. Right. And I was saying to someone the other day, it's like, I mean, on a, on a different scale. And I don't mean to compare the two things because, but I have a mortgage and I have things that, you know, bills that, you know, have to get paid still. And I was like, Somebody said to me about my hips, they're like, w will you get hip surgery? Oh. And I was like, well, if I can find three months where I can afford not to fucking work. Yeah. No, I, of course. If no, I don't it's, work, it's, I don't. It's the same shit. So it must be insane. Like, it must be insane for you, though. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. To 
have to have that much time off work. Right. And, um, you know, I've been getting by, but, uh, but so, so anyhow, I had, uh, my, my parents helped me and everything. Yeah. A lot of this process is like, man, I, and besides that, I got insurance, um, during the, uh, what's called Obamacare, uh, you know, registration last year. I hadn't had insurance in 11 years. Uh-huh. I got insurance, hurt myself like two months later. Right. <laughs> Crazy. And, but, you know, what about people without insurance? What are they doing? You know, right. and, and uh, definitely my amount of empathy has grown a lot for people that find themselves in, I mean, I think a, a lot of, um, it seems that people that, um, you know, work with the homeless and everything, what it seems to be, the key factor is the, do you have a lot of people in your life that can help you? A lot of these people are right. just people that hit a bump in the road, just like anyone can do, just like I did, and just didn't have, you know, a family to take care of them or whatever else. That's and that's just, why, like, I mean, I don't. That's why they call it a safety net. That's yeah. the idea of having like unemployment benefits or medical benefits or like some national healthcare scheme. Is it's called a safety net? Yeah. It's for, therefore, when you fall and you need it, because people can fall and then it can all just fucking fall apart. And you need everyone else to be covered as well because it's not safe for you to be living in a society where people aren't getting regular checkups and that's right. a breeding ground for parasites and diseases and but and, I mean and but also with like how, how much of the homeless here is like people who are clearly you know who should be being looked after because they're mentally ill oh of course you know of course and so like even from a selfish point of view like I mean I think from our point of compassion for looking after those people it should start there this but crazy even, person's bothering me right even you know? from that point of view yeah yeah of like course. don't you want less crazy people bothering you it's crazy. Are you willing to like pay a couple of extra cents in your taxes to f- provide facilities so that you don't have to see as many crazy people on your walk? Yeah, it's so it's, even it's, if you're a terrible person. Of all the luxuries like- <laughs> you're paying for, <laughs> right? That's quite a great luxury, and it's like uh, uh, the well, idea that you don't understand, for an iPhone, but you won't chip in a cent to fucking. Like- yeah, the, that you can't see the selfish motives right. behind it. Why can't you see that? Poor people still affect you. That's why you have a gate on your community. Right. That's not for fun. You don't put that up for aesthetics. Well, that, that, if we took the money that people are spending on gates and put it into the programs, it, that we wouldn't need done. the gates. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, I believe it's the gate I, industry that are ramping up crime I'm, just to sell more gates. That's why I'm here today yeah. to spread the word. In fact, that's, Fuck uh, those gate that's where Bill Gates actually got his fortune. A lot of people thought it was Microsoft, but his family were in gates. Originally. Yeah, it's actually that's, everyone thought it was the gatekeepers. Yeah. It's actually the gate makers. The gate makers. <laughs> <laughs> that have a real issue. <laughs> it's gate gate people and they're here to yeah, expose yeah. it if it weren't for them right. uh, gatekeepers wouldn't have gates right. to uh, people to buy to gates keep from. in the first place <laughs> do you know what I mean um, can't keep a gate if nobody makes a gate it's, a, it's an old saying <laughs> so uh, yeah so so all of this happened so cancel three weeks of work find my way back so which involved and now this is a process so because i didn't ever receive any coverage in california i'd hurt myself in arizona i never saw i was assigned a doctor in california had never seen them so i had to go then go see i couldn't just call up the foot surgeon and be like hey uh i need a foot surgery which is like there's this doctor over here that can tell you i need a foot surgery consent x-rays or whatever let's schedule the appointment 
so I can just go fly there. Uh, you know, right. Instead, what I need to do was see a doctor. Then needs to be a, then they need to give a referral. Needs to be improve, uh, approved by the insurance. Then you see um, a surgeon, and then they get a hold of the insurance, explain to them, which takes days again to do. And um, so, so what I did was I I finished work in Cleveland in January, and I drove. My car was in the Midwest because I had all this routing worked out. It made sense for me to drive everywhere. I'm doing my podcast, interviewing scientists. The Here We Are Podcast dot com. Boom. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and and so now I got to get from Cleveland back to L.A. And the way the doctor's appointment was scheduled and everything, I had uh, basically three days to do it, I think. Uh, I, I forget. I think I had, no, I had like 50 hours to do it. That's what it was. And it was like a 36-hour drive. Right. And uh, the, so I, I get in my car, and it says, uh, a destination in one day, <laughs> six <laughs> hours or whatever. <laughs> And then I ended up altering the route so that I could get south right. because I'm I'm at a gas station crutching around in the ice and then you get in the, the, oh, the tile yeah. floors in the gas station, yeah. uh, wet crutches, you slip all, all, the, all time. the time. And um, uh, just the surface area, it, 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 just all the time. And so I'm like, screw this, I'm going south, I drive... Uh, I drive straight south, which tacks on now another few hours unexpectedly. So I'm driving. First day, I think I drove around 18 hours on the first day. Wow. And then And I, how do you keep yourself uh, company on those 18 hours? Do you listen to music? Do you listen to podcasts? Do you have the... Like, how do you pass the time? Usually um, audiobooks. But oh, then yeah, when okay. I'm getting tired, it's, it's too much cognitive effort. And it's not so much that I can't pay attention. It's that I know it will tire me out right. faster. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's just... Uh, I'm listening to books about science and that's what you know it's, it's sitting there telling me uh, um <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's like i'm learning about like what a number i'm doing on myself and everything else so um uh i i get to i forget where i stopped exactly but uh, i don't know past st louis or something doesn't matter i i stop and then the next day i get in my car and now i'm like i maybe have Eight hours of free time from here to L.A. This is like, uh, I have another, I don't know, eight. I think I had another 18 hours or something like that. Um, And I I looked at my GPS and it said, next turn in 1,250 miles (laughs) is what my GPS said. And I'm sitting there and this is already like, I'm thinking about, yeah, this is unknown, which is one of the biggest stressors. Is how much, how much can you predict things? Right. Uh-huh. Uh, the amount of um, predictability and the amount of control you have in things is, is the two biggest predictors of how much stress um, you'll you'll feel. And I had kind of none of those things at the time. And I'm driving and I'm doing all this crap. I get back. I go through the whole rigmarole. They do the um, surgery. And then, and right away, they were like, yeah, we think you have a bone infection for sure. So we scraped out, scraped some bone off, scraped out a bunch of 
tissue and we're putting you on IV antibiotics. Well, I didn't know how big the hole in my foot was at the time either. I, I was scheduled to be in the hospital. This is another thing that gets me. I was scheduled to be in the hospital Monday to Friday. And at the time, before going in, I didn't realize what was involved. I was like, great. You know, they're going to take care of me five days. That seems like a long time. Right. I don't know why they would need me in there for that long, but great. I'll have people caring for me. I'm single right now and everything else. (laughs) And um, so I go in, I get the surgery. I'm on IV antibiotics and I'm I'm finding out what I have to do. And then on Wednesday, they come in and, uh, oh, they took the hardware out of my foot Uh as well. Okay. And so... Big old hole in my foot needs to be changed every day, like three times a day. I'm in a bit of pain. Um, And then they go, sorry, your insurance was like, he's doing slightly better, so he needs to leave the hospital. And I was like, okay, so what's that mean? They're like, well, you're going to have home care. Um, A nurse will come and and visit you uh, once a day or whatever. I'm like, okay. And then I find out what's involved. And they're like, but you need to do this stuff three times a day, uh, which is one, um, IV antibiotics. So I had a what's called a pick line in my arm. I had wires that went into my heart, which, by the way, um, uh, we were talking about uh, painkillers a bit and um, off the air. And I I got one shot of the IV painkillers, directly into my heart what? one of the times like because like, it went into the pick line this yeah. is after i had the pick line and went directly into my heart and i was like whoa like that second like i watched her uh-huh. pushing it down and that second i was like oh i get it <laughs> <laughs> it was like such a strong feeling right. um wow so they're like you need to leave sorry mm. Um, you know, we'll, we'll do what we can for you. And, and this is, this is me with insurance. Right. This is what's happening. Yeah. 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 So then uh, the nurse shows me what I have to do. And, um, I hadn't looked at them changing my foot dressing. It was like really painful. I'm like screaming into a pillow or trying not to, you know, yeah. but, um, and, and she's like, so you ne- first you need to take this dressing out and I'm looking at her pulling out this dressing and it was like a magician scarf trick i could not believe what i and like my face just turned like ghost you, white you're like you're doing a bit right you've <laughs> yeah, got that yeah. in your other hand and you do this like to lighten the mood every time you break bad news to somebody <laughs> yeah yeah this is like you're going away thing you're gonna start there's gonna be like a clown car come out or something oh. yeah, right and they didn't show me really how to do it they're like this is what you're gonna have to do your nurse will show you how to do it which now I wish, why wouldn't they give you like some tests, watch you do it while you're in the hospital rather than rely on the one um, home nurse. So one, I, so I have these IV antibiotics, which changing by yourself, I didn't have anyone helping me. It's in my left bicep, so I can't use my left hand to get right. to it. And you need to screw the things in. <laughs> and I, like, I'm figuring all this out on my own. And then there's like bubbles in the IV line. And I'm like, I, oh, I don't think there's supposed to be bubbles going into my veins. I no, think you can like die that yeah. way and stuff. I'm pretty sure I've seen that in a movie. Yeah. And I, like, <laughs> so now I'm like Googling what to do. When it, right. and, I've, it, and then, and that was like the easy part. Um, and I actually just went off that a couple days ago so I can go back on the road. Um, and 
then I had to change my own foothold, which is I could show you video of it. I don't know if 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 I don't, how, I don't, I don't know if I could. Watch I, it. I don't know that you could either. No. It's uh, it's horrible. I've, yeah, I'm sens- it's, I'm sensitive about those sort of things. Too. Yeah, like my my nurse just the first time my nurse um saw it. Like she pulled up the dressing and she saw it. Like I saw her eyes light up, and then she just <laughs> she got her cell phone out and started taking what? pictures. <laughs> yeah, that's what you want. You're like, this is going straight to Instagram. And then there there was another time I had an appointment. Um, this is before I now have a, a vacuum on my wound, and the infection specialist they did the same thing. They took it out, and he's explaining to me that I'm going to be getting this wound uh, vac. Uh, there's a vacuum on on this hole which stimulates growth so hopefully it will heal faster and the doctor's looking at the full hole and he's telling me all this stuff and i i was like a little bit baked at the time right too and and i'm i'm just like uh, i'm i'm freaking out a little bit and there was a point when i was just like i'm sorry this is just a lot to take in right now and he just looks at my foothole and he goes well it's horrifying So, <laughs> well, things you never want to hear a doctor say. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's horrifying. <laughs> like this is a guy who's seen everything, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's describing yeah, yeah. your foot as horrifying. Yeah, yeah. So this is um. So the nurse shows me what I have to do, which is so. First, I have to pull all this dressing out of my foot. You know, sanitize your hands. You put gloves on and everything. Uh-huh. And I, I, I'm, I'm pulling all of this gauze. Like, I got to get in there with tweezers <laughs> to get it more <laughs> gauze. Um, and then I have to look in there, which it's to the bone. There's exposed bone. Uh, there still is. Uh-huh. And, uh, I mean, it's golf ball size. Uh-huh. And... and um, and I'm sorry to all of the listeners that are having the exact same reaction as Will right now, which is the exact same reaction as everybody. Doctors think this is horrifying too. I'm sorry to be doing this to your ears. Um, and uh, then, uh, so I just remember the first day. Is So then I have to pack this dressing in and like use a Q-tip to really ah. pack it in and like really get in there. And I have to look. Like I have to right. look at it and watch what I'm doing, which is jam one of the worst parts. Foothole. Yeah, yeah. I have to jam the shit in my foothole, and I can't just willy nilly pack a little bit no. in. I really have, you to, have jam to pack it in, in probably and get every corner. And well, you, um, don't want a, you don't want an incorrectly packed foothole. <laughs> no, like, you don't. That's that's where your real trouble starts. I remember the first time I was just like, uh, uh, like the nurse came at five, so I was supposed to do it that night at one, and then um, and then the nurse was coming again at nine. And the first night, I got everything ready, and I was like, I can't, I can't do this. And then she came the next morning, and I was like, I'm sorry. I just couldn't. I just couldn't cycle. I know that I need to. Right. And this is like a really critical situation and everything else, and I just couldn't. Couldn't. And then I, I had her watch me and instruct me and help. My nurse is great and everything. You know, I have nothing but love and respect for everyone I've met in the healthcare oh, industry. Yeah, of yeah. 
but the fucking insurance is yep. so outrageous and the nurse is sitting there but she the nurse is on the phone with insurance being like you know he's here by himself trying to do this two times a day this he's, is asinine it, it's also making like, the lives he's not of a people, nurse our care the, our carers lives miserable i bet the reason that people leave nursing and leave you know yeah the medical oh, yeah. system is because of that shit but the fact the that hopelessness. They, they don't want to spend their days fucking fight, losing these battles, not just fighting the battles, but I, fucking constantly losing the battles. Yeah, I mean, I, I dated a, um, a veterinarian just to make things like a little lighter and easier to digest. I dated a veterinarian for years, and uh, you, I think you I, met her years no, ago. I, I thought for a second and you were like, I, I dated a veterinarian because she would have access to the drugs and would know how to uh, deal oh, with no, it. So no. I was like, it was the best I could do. I had a nurse and a veterinarian. No, <laughs> no, year, years ago. You may have even met her, but I wouldn't expect you to remember. And um, so, so anyway, she would. Her, one of the worst things about her job, she did. She did work out in the country uh-huh. for a long time, yep. and then she did work in in like the the nice. Um, like the gay part of town in Boston, like really nice uh, yuppieville. And uh, it's basically, it's the uh, south end of Boston. So anyway, one of the things that she liked the most about that is when you're out in the country and you got something like, look, I can fix this dog, but it's $200. People are like, eh, you know, well, I just don't have you're right. the, or, you know, let's give them the benefit for $1,000 or whatever, which is... When you're in right. the South End and you have uh, gays coming in, uh, these are their babies and everything else, they're spending anything, uh, you know, just get it done, whatever needs to be done. And she loved that part because it was very hard for her when she, you got to put an animal to sleep that would be, you know, uh, just a little bit of money, which is this fucking weird imaginary thing that we all believe in, uh, would fix everything, you know? And it that is like devastating. We have uh, three cats in Sydney, and two two of well, they're all rescue cats. But two of them are because Amy was working as a vet nurse, right. and like people would bring in these beautiful little cats to be put I down, know. and then suddenly we would have a new cat. I know. <laughs> well, yeah, and I saw it. I been to those kennels and everything else, and it's right. it's horrible. So I find out that I got to do all of this stuff. I remember uh, it was about the first five times it was. The worst thing that I've ever had to yeah, do, definitely. Um, and I would have to, I'd pull it all out and be like, okay, <laughs> that was painful. Yep. And then I would have to get, be like, okay, focus on the task right now right. and don't faint. <laughs> right. I, I would have, always have to tell myself not to faint because sometimes I would get very faint. Right. And, uh, you know, I was I'm sweating and tail and everything else. And it's like, I didn't feel like I was going to faint, but the, the cost of fainting, right. you know, it would be horrifying. And so, so I was very nervous about it. And, um, so I, I did that for a couple of weeks. Then they put this wound back on. Um, oh, so it turned out that I did have a bone infection. Right. Right. And yeah, I already discussed that. So I was on IV antibiotics and then I've been on this wound back for a couple of weeks and everything's been coming along and everything's been real good. And having the hardware out of my foot is an amazing thing because it was, uh, I was never going to walk correctly. Right. Uh, I knew once I had it in, it was, it was always rubbing up against tendons and every walking, but I, I wasn't going to get back to like exercising and right. stuff correctly for sure. Uh-huh. And they knew that they, I had a time when they did the surgery, they're like, listen, down the line, 
you know, assuming everything goes right down the line, you're probably going to want to get a second surgery and get that because it's when you look at it and I have the stuff, it's just this weird little plate and some screws, right? You know, (laughs) that's not great for your bones. And so my bones were rejecting this thing too. And, um, and yeah, so everything's pretty good right now, but I still have a bit of exposed bone. If I still have exposed bone when I'm back right. off the road in a couple of weeks, they're going to have to go back in, scrape more bone off, and kind of think about what to do um, from there. But I'm on oral antibiotics, which is good, but it gives me, I, I just got on these a few days ago, way easier gives me horrible stomach cramps right Uh. now and so i took some painkillers before i came over um today just for that so i would be in a good mood for the podcast (laughs) rather rather than like you know there's times i think the first time that i I spent three weeks i didn't go out oh and i was in the middle of moving Uh. at the time too i had to move because just before all this happened my girlfriend and i broke up we were going to continue living together see out our lease then i hurt myself so all my stuff was there so then I, I'm in the, I'm fucking, I'm building furniture and crap in my, in my new place, which I have like three roommates and I go in the place is a disaster and I have to, and then I got to like hire a cleaning crew and like do all of this <laughs> shit. And I'm like, meanwhile, I got an IV pole attached to me and hole in my foot and it was just a nightmare i went out to see it some, is one of those things where you move into a new, new house and it's like hey do you bring did you if you got an xbox or something no i've got this iv drip <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what i come with i come with crutches do you guys have a ramp that's yeah, what i come yeah, yeah. with so that's why i also hired a cleaning crew yeah. not only was the place a nightmare but i was like i'm going to pay for all of this and give you guys a nice place and you're gonna have to wash a dish or two for me here or there right. like carry drinks for me sometimes yeah but i'm gonna have a good baseline first yeah we'll bring yeah. a professional oh uh, you went to see some music we should finish up in a second because i've got to do a call to australia but oh uh, shit uh we uh yeah, t- tell me see. about going to see the music uh this guy del the funky homo sapien oh like yeah I, I do yeah uh, i know del the funky homo yeah, sapien yeah, deltron, deltron 30 30 i just became obsessed with them while i was driving all around the country last fall i think he's in australia right now is actually. that right yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was and always a. Um, he did some stuff with. Uh, hieroglyphics? Uh, yeah. I was a Damon Orban fan from Blur. Oh, I'm not and they did some stuff. He was the guy. I'm not who, a big music guy, but. He. Um, he well, they were the gorillas as well. Damon Albarn oh, was gorillas. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And like, yeah, and so yeah, done Del a few did things. the Clint Eastwood song yeah. on the gorillas, right. which is like probably the most famous song that he's. Yeah, done. so that's um, yeah, so I'm a I'm a fan. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was just nice to finally get out of the house. So things are things are definitely looking better for me. Good. All right. Where can people find you, Shane? At Shane Comedy and uh, on Twitter, and uh, I'm on Facebook, and then Shane Moss M A U S S dot com, and listen to my podcast. I've been traveling around the country talking to scientists about life and what makes us who we are. It's called the Here We Are podcast. And we talked about it a little bit last time, but I, it wasn't out yet. And so now it's out and it's going fantastic. And um, yeah, so please, that's the thing I'm most excited. Oh, uh, I'm recording an album. That's oh, great. A, a, a lot about some of this stuff. That's yeah, why yeah. I wanted to record right away. 
Um, well, it the, makes sense. The, if you, you should at least get a special out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I kind of still wanted to be on crutches right. when I record and everything because it just makes the. Yeah. I, you I can don't be know. in it. Just it the, yeah, it'll, I mean, it'll be weird doing to, the crutch material yeah. when I'm off of them. Yeah, I, that's right. I won't know what it's like until I'm there. You might want to be one of those showbiz people who just has the crutches side hey, stage yeah, and you get the out crutches there. crutch. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm at Madison, um, which, you know, a state street comedy club in Madison, the first week in April, which is in the U S maybe, uh, well, very much. So one of the top clubs, that's why I'm recording. Oh, yeah, here, absolutely. It's maybe, like a, maybe my favorite club. Yeah. People very love, close to it. People love that club. I actually haven't played. Uh, oh, that, I thought you were that, booked there. No, oh. that's, that's one of those places I would love somewhere to play, else I was thinking. but, uh, but yeah, people compare it to all my other favorite clubs around the country. Yeah, and yeah. if anyone from the club's listening, uh, I would love to come play. So, ah, ask. yeah, I would like to come. I uh, will okay. absolutely. Uh, people can uh, people can come and see me on my freewheel tour, Adelaide, Brisbane, and Melbourne. Uh, after that, I'm back in the states doing some gigs, and I've got London and a bunch of other things later in the year. But I'll plug them when I'm close to that. Just if you're in Adelaide, Brisbane, or Melbourne, come and see uh, the freewheel show. Uh, they are my only shows in those cities uh, this year because of my schedule. So uh, come out and see the shows. That'd be cool. Hey, thanks very much for uh, coming and doing the podcast again, mate. I just got a DM message from Del the Funky Homo Sapien just now as we're talking. How, how weird is that? Um, so, uh, so yeah, thank you so much. I, I love coming on here. We still have a very big thing to discuss. Oh, yeah, yeah, we do so actually, ho- but we need to have time for that. We, yeah, need, yeah. We, we need to have time where we've got like time for a two-hour podcast. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All Maybe right. March or April or something. All right, yeah. see you. All right, bye. <laughs>